The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. But I know to you from Mark the fourth chapter Mark the fourth chapter listen our farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed some fell along the path the birds came and ate it up Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the sun came up, and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, came up, it produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, even a hundred times. And Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything will be said in parables. Mark, the fourth chapter. All of my life I have had two primary concerns. The first concern that drives my actions. If you look at my life, it will reflect the reality of what I am about to say to you. The first concern is to somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead, to belong to Jesus Christ. The second concern is to call as many of you as will listen to join me on the journey on the narrow path. Now, I've not always been that clear in my understanding of what my life has been about. But I want to make very clear that I know that every effort must be used to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That we cannot allow ourselves to be sidetracked from these two concerns. Oh, I have lost friends who have said to me very honestly, Ray, you are always searching. You're always dissatisfied with what's happening. You always want more. Well, that goes back to some early childhood years when I went to church school, and my church school teacher would say things that I would come home and tell my father, and he would say, Come, Ray, let's sit down, and he would open his big black Bible and he'd show me in the scriptures where the school teacher was wrong. And he would warn me, believe what is in the scripture and not what is in the people who try to teach you the scripture. So I learned at a very early age that everyone who taught the word of God was not telling the truth. Sometimes they didn't know they were lying, but they were lying. They were teaching an untruth that would keep me out of the kingdom of God. So I was raised in a denomination, and very quickly as I became a pastor in that denomination, the Lord began to reveal to me the deception, the dishonesty. And my dad had warned me. He said, Raymond, when you become a pastor and you pull back the veil and look behind, you will be sorely upset and disappointed. But don't let that disappointment affect your walk with Jesus. Search after Jesus. Well, he was right. I was sorely disappointed by the denomination I was a part of, and I finally left it because I could not tolerate the lies and the deceptions in the teaching about Jesus. At that point, it was a 
It was a holiness church, a holiness denomination that had come out of the Millerite movement the 1800s. I was very clear. They were teaching lies. And I had to leave. Things not found in the scripture, like an investigative judgment, saying that the day would come when the Holy Spirit would leave us and we would have to stand perfect before God without the presence of the Holy Spirit. The teaching that there was a judgment going on in heaven and when that judgment was finished, the end would come. It was by faith and works. And I bounced like a like a ball out of that into an even greater lie of eternal security. And I struggled with church growth, prosperity. I became a fan of Robert Schuler, attended his workshops in Garden Grove, California at the Crystal Cathedral. But the Lord would not let me be a part of that either. And he finally just called me out of all church denominationalism. He called me out of ministry. And for seven years, I didn't have a public ministry. I simply spent that time searching after Jesus and reading the scriptures day after day, reading the scriptures. Now, I'm saying all of this to you to come to a very specific point. Very few are going to be saved. Most are going to simply swallow hook, line, and sinker, whatever they're taught. And most will be comfortable in the lies of the church and in the lies of their own heart. And this parable of the sower just uncovers my heart. I want to share parts of this parable with you. Please, may I be very clear with you? We cannot afford to be foolish with God or with each other. We are in the end times. Not only are we in the end times, but we are also at some point in your life in the end time. It's my purpose that somehow I and somehow you should attain as the Apostle Paul said, to the resurrection from the dead and dwell with Jesus in heaven through eternity. That's what I want. I don't need success. I don't need fame. I don't need acceptance. I don't need adulation. 
I need Jesus. And secondly, there's a burning desire in my heart to call as many of you as possible to come and fulfill the gospel commission with me. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. His assurance that he is with us always to the end of the age is dependent upon our moving out with all of our energy to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded us. I know today religion has become very personal, very private. And in our hearts and in our minds, we consider ourselves to be good Christians because we say we love Jesus and because we see some ways of God and we have been disciplined by God and we have grown in our understanding and in our faith. But are you producing any fruit? Well, this parable of the sower gives us some clear understanding about fruit-bearing. Please, may I be very plain with you. It is about fruit-bearing. It is about becoming a fisher of men with Jesus Christ. And if you miss this, through some foolish notion of the unconditional love of God, or through some foolish idea that is being taught currently in the church that grace will cover your sin and you're saved in the midst of your wickedness. Let me read this for you. Do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That is, if you walk in known sin, you are wicked. And he's saying, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, that's putting something or someone ahead of God in our lives, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Don't tell me that you have been washed and sanctified and justified but still walk in your isolation you become comfortable in your cocoon you are consumed with your own life and your own obligations 
Don't tell me that, because you will be lying. Of course, I, I can't pass this passage without identifying that, yes, our sins have been washed away. Sins of the present and the past that we have repented for have been washed away and we have been sanctified. That is, we have been made holy. We have been changed. We have left our way of wickedness. We have been justified. A person who has been washed and sanctified is told in the scriptures that they are justified. Justification has with it both a forensic, a legal side, which is the forgiveness, the release from all guilt and all sin. And secondly, it has an ethical understanding that we are sanctified, that we are made holy. The word justified, literally, before it was corrupted by the Reformers, by Luther, by John Calvin, by the Reformed Church, it meant to be made righteous, dikasune, to be made righteous, as a free gift of God, as a miracle of God. Now let's go back, and I want you to look with me at this parable. It has some very specific things. These are the secrets of the kingdom of God. Jesus explains the parable. He says, the farmer sows the word. He said, I am, I am the word. They sow Jesus. The farmer sows the seed, the word, the scriptures. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. Now, please understand, we have soil, and we have the seed. We have the Word of God. Now, how that Word of God is received is going to be dependent on what kind of soil it is planted in. What is the soil of your life that the Word of God has been planted in. And I have been planting that Word day by day on this broadcast. What kind of soil are you? Now, just a quick note, and you'll find this all through what I'm going to say to you today. The soil that produces the most is the soil that is the most cultivated My life has been so plowed. My life has been so harrowed, to use farm terms. My life has been so disked. In farmer's terms today, you you have the plowing, the turning over of the soil... And then you have the harrow with the sharp knives that cuts those pieces of clod that have been turned over, that dirt, the hard, it cuts it up into many pieces. And then the harrow comes and it breaks up even those little lumps and makes a fine loom soil. 
in which to plant the seed. I have said to the Lord even, yea, this morning, Lord, why have I been so plowed? Why has my life been so so harrowed, so disked? Why has my life been... Lord, what do you want with me? What do you want with my life? It's almost too late for me to bear any fruit, any real fruit, the kind a hundredfold truth. And then I lift my hands with tears and I say, Lord, finish this work in my life. And I praise God that as I've gone along, there have been some faithful men and women who have stepped in. And when I've made mistakes, they've walked beside me and loved me and confronted me. And I have made many mistakes for which I weep before the Lord. Now, let's talk about the seed that falls on different kinds of soil. It's the soil that is being looked at. The seed falls along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. That's devastating to me to think that Satan can come and steal away this broadcast from your heart. How does he do that? Well, you've walked the path of your life for so long on automatic that your life conscience, the soil of your heart, is so packed down by your television and your lust for movies and your lust for for the Redskins for the, the professional sports, your heart is so hardened by the loves of your heart that the word of God can't pierce it. It doesn't get through. You're a, a lukewarm Christian. Satan just comes and steals anything new that's said to you you don't want your life disturbed. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places where the word at once is received with joy. Once they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the rocky soil where men and women love their sin. They love their way of life. They love their lifestyle. They love to go to the places they love to go to. They love to look at what they want to look at. And so there's not much room for the gospel to filter down into their hearts because their time and attention is 
It's on what they love. So when they hear it, they say, wow, did you hear Pastor Ray's message? That was an awesome message. But then they quickly blow away because, well, they've got to go after their job or they've got to go after this or they've got to go after something other than Jesus. Now, I want to say something that's going to cause angst for some of you. There is no private interpretation of Scripture. Scripture is given to the church. If you have a private life outside of the church and you go your own way with your own thoughts and you will not be with the brethren, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because those rocky places cannot be dug out. Verse 17, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They say, no, I'm not going to put up with that. Don't tell me that I have to leave my cigarettes alone. Don't tell me that I have to stop drinking the alcohol. Don't don't tell me that I can't live a lifestyle going to the clubs. Don't tell me I have to turn that wicked music off, that hip-hop. Don't tell me that I can't love these things. So they fall away quickly. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. Now, Jesus is giving us three categories. These categories break down what trips up many of us and causes us not to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Some of you have have never given yourself to the true work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your first concern has been your responsibilities, the worries of this life, the, the responsibilities for the mortgage or the rent, the responsibility for the car payment, the responsibility for your business, the responsibility for your family. All of these responsibilities have stolen away your time so that you don't have time for the Word of God. You don't have time for the church. You don't have time for for anything except to give yourself wholeheartedly to your own love. You want to take care of business. It's like a thorn that's grown up in your life. It's an independent spirit. It's it's a judgmental attitude toward others. 
It's a superiority in your heart. It's a lack of humility. After all, these are my responsibilities. Please, I want to say this again to you. You have one primary responsibility in two parts. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your first responsibility is to somehow be prepared to attain to the resurrection from the dead and join Jesus in eternity. Your second responsibility is to call as many men and women as possible to come and join you on the pilgrim path to the celestial city, to heaven. These two principal concerns of the heart of a real Christian must walk hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. It is impossible for you to be focused on Jesus in such a manner that all you care about is your life. If you disregard the lost and the dying, you will not have a relationship with the real Jesus. You will have a relationship with your own personal growth and your own personal vision of who Jesus is. You cannot separate these two concerns. They are bound at the hip. Some of you have said to me, Pastor, I just don't feel any concern for the lost. That's not my responsibility. You have missed Jesus. I'll tell you how you can begin to gain a feeling, a sense of conviction about the lost and the dying. Go make friends with a lost person and see the trauma and the sorrow of their heart. And you will be moved to tears for them. And there will come upon you such an emotional burden that you will not know how to bear it. And you will be forced to begin to address with them the way of escape that you have found by the gift of Jesus in your life. I have precious men and women in my life that if I think very much about them, I'll begin to weep even now. Because I want to see them in the kingdom of Jesus. I don't want them to die. I don't want them to go to hell. So I cannot have this selfish relationship with Jesus that excludes my brothers and sisters who are going to die and go to hell. I am forced to deal with this issue. But I won't have to deal with that issue if 
the worries of this life consume me, and I'm concerned about my own survival. That selfishness, that self-centeredness, even a brand-new Christian must immediately begin to reach out, not just with intellectual conversations, not just with with telling them what you think. Are you kidding me? Everybody has their private thoughts about their own reality. Everybody has their own beliefs about the scriptures. Sharing those beliefs is not adequate. It will not save anyone. You must have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You must have the baptism of Pentecost upon your life. It's only with that baptism that the coming urgency rises in your heart as you love the lost and the dying. That's why Paul could not stay in the desert. That's why Paul could not stay in Tarsus. He was called out to go to Antioch. And then he was out on the missionary journeys. And some people say, oh, pastor, that's okay for you because you're a pastor. Well, how did I become a pastor? I became a pastor because Jesus called me. You were called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Don't let the thorn of the responsibilities of this life come and tear you out of the kingdom of God. Think of another scripture. No immoral. This is Ephesians 5. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a man as an idolater. If your concern is about the worries of this life, you've placed those ahead of Jesus and you have become an idolater. In your pride, you have become an idolater. No immoral, impure, greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient Disobedient? Disobedient to the gospel commission? Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not 
be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It is the Lord's will to save the lost and the dying. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Remember I said to you at the beginning of this broadcast, the soil that is the most cultivated will produce the largest crop. And then he turns to a very interesting topic. But wait until you hear what he's saying. Wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submit to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. This is the cultivation process. It's a love process that Jesus is doing in our hearts. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. He's talking about submission to one another in the body of Christ. He's not talking about being consumed with our responsibilities of life so we can't be a, a part of the church except maybe once in a while going to church two or three times a month. That's not what he's talking about. That's the wickedness of the modern church. Church is a body. We're working together for two concerns. One, to hold each other up, to cry out for one another, to pray for one another, that we would be found worthy to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And secondly, to call as many as will listen to us to join with the church on this narrow path journey toward the celestial city. There is a second weed, thistle, that grows up, and that is the deceitfulness of wealth. Some of you believe it's about, about money. It's about paying your bills. It's about being responsible. And if you have to work day and night to pay your bills, work day and night. You don't believe that Jesus has the power to deliver you. You believe Jesus wants you to slave away. No, he doesn't. He wants you to be given for the work of the gospel. 
Now, he'll let you work and slave, and he'll use it as a whip on your back because you're unwilling to hear the gospel message of forgiveness by Jesus and the release, the release from the devil's game that he's played on your life. The deceitfulness of wealth. That money is where the issue is resolved. No, it's not. It's resolved in the heavenly realms. And third, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Some of you, you just don't want to give yourself to Jesus. You want just enough Jesus to say, I'm a Christian. But what you're really interested in is the worldly things, the entertainment, the travel, the enjoyment of the things of this flesh world, the things of the devil. You love those those action movies, guys. You love the violence. Jesus hates violence. Jesus hates what's happening in this nation with the violent looting and beatings and killings. Jesus hates that and will bring judgment on those who do that. Some of you are spending hours watching all of that wickedness. You have a desire for the cruise. You have a desire for the restaurants. You have a desire for the pleasant life. There are some things that are very good. I'd love to have an ocean kayak. And I'd love to spend a great deal of time in a kayak on the lake or in the ocean. I love biking. I could very much get into riding my bike. I like archery. And the new bows are incredible. And the new the new crossbows, wow. I love scuba diving. I love to go fishing. But frankly, these are things that I may briefly enjoy as recreation. But I cannot give myself to them because they're not my two primary concerns. Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So a good thing can become debauchery when it consumes us. Some little old ladies love to collect salt shakers. Please, I'm not trying to be offensive, but your attention is always on where you can find that next salt shaker or where you can find that next elephant or that next picture or some other collectible that you love. Christmas houses. You're always looking out for the the next piece of wedge wood. No. There must be two primary concerns. 
and that is how I'm going to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Very few will be able to enter into the kingdom of Jesus. Most today will die in their sins and be very religious and say, Lord, Lord, did we not did we not sing in the choir? Did we not decorate the church for Christmas? Did we not serve as deacons or deaconesses? Did we not preach the gospel? And he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you, you worker of iniquity. Why? Because you've been consumed by everything in the world. And the church has only been a pleasant hobby for you. Now there is a third. And before I want to get into the fullness of this fourth one, I want to invite you in the urgency of our hour. As I prayed yesterday with a dear brother, he said, Pastor, I'm hearing that we need to call for a time of prayer every Wednesday evening, a time when we can learn about how to walk in Jesus, a time where we can pray and cry out to Jesus. And my spirit agreed. And we said, well, should we wait a week? No, let's do it. So the two of us are going to meet on Wednesday evening. And if you'd like to come, you're welcome to come. It's not going to be about politics. It's not going to be about how angry you are about something in the world. It's going to be about you finding Jesus. It's going to be about this narrow path. It's going to be about turning aside from the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, and flat out, it's going to be about being cultivated for the kingdom of God and producing much fruit for Jesus. This is Mark 4, verse 20. Oh, by the way, I'll give you a phone number if you'd like to come. Call me and I'll give you directions. My personal phone number. Jot it down. Don't call me with foolishness. Don't call me with your disagreements with me. Call me if you'd like to come and be serious. And you need to pray. 703 489 1785. Call me, I'll call you back. Or I'll answer, depending on whether I'm on the phone. We're going to meet tonight, every Wednesday night, tonight beginning at 7 p.m. If your heart is convicted and you need to be here, and you recognize that you have not been faithful to these two concerns, and you need to be washed and healed and restored, and get on this narrow path. Or if you think you're on the narrow path, but you have utterly denied the second concern, then you're welcome to come. I might call it a, a boot camp for the Holy Spirit, 
for righteousness, for holiness. I'm not going to name it anything. It's a time to come and pray and cry out to Jesus for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to come, call me. This fourth in verse 20 of Mark 4, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. You can hear it, and you can accept it, and refuse to produce a crop. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Some of you put your light under a bowl, under your bed. And you bear no fruit. This is not a season of fruitlessness. We are to quickly be conformed into the likeness of Jesus and begin to share at the level we can the cry of our heart, the compassion of our heart for a lost brother or sister. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If someone has ears, let him hear. If you have ears today and you would like to come and be a part of this time of prayer and searching after Jesus, if you need to learn about how to walk in this, if your heart is searching, then don't let anything keep you away. Don't let the worries of this life, don't let the deceitfulness of wealth, don't let the desire of other things, and certainly don't let the hardness of your heart or the rockiness of your soul keep you away. We're going to pray from our hearts, and we will be heard by the Holy Spirit I know he will hear and I know he will answer. For these two concerns are the two concerns of Jesus' heart for you and for me. So what are you going to do? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Don't let that sound important. I'm nobody. I'm just a sold-out servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who does not love the world or the flesh or the devil. And absolutely, I refuse to let myself be sidetracked from the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. And I just, I just received a letter. Where did I put it? I don't see it close. From a dear brother yesterday. Thank you. 
can write to me at Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'd love to hear from you. You can go directly to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. This message will be rebroadcast there in video form and in podcast form. And again, if you are moved by the Holy Spirit to come and pray, the phone number is 703-489-1785. Lord Jesus, I lift up every person who has listened to this broadcast, and I ask for your Holy Spirit to go forth over them, to move upon their hearts, and to call them into righteousness with healing and restoration in their brokenness. Hear the cry of our hearts, Lord, and fill us with your Pentecost power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our